Hey, a big welcome to you on this Labor Day weekend. Have you ever been in a dilemma? Have you ever been in a dilemma? Well, yesterday I'm sitting on the boardwalk at Ocean Grove with my wife. We're having breakfast and I'm overlooking the ocean and I'm just thinking, I don't want summer to come to an end. Yet at the same time, in my right hand, I'm holding a pumpkin donut. And I'm like, oh, what a wretched man I am. Hey, welcome to those who are joining online as well. This week I went to see Pat Benedict and her daughter, Christine. Uh, Pat is doing so well, and uh, Christine tells me that they're able to watch us online. How cool is that? Pat, in a stage in her life, a season in her life, where she's not able to be with us, she can be at home in the comfort of her home to watch our services. Is that not cool? A big shout out to you, Pat and Christine. I loved visiting with you yesterday uh, on Thursday, and, and God bless you guys. So um, yeah, today we're starting a brand new message series over the next four weeks called Divine Direction. Divine Direction. Now, in my 41 years of pastoring, and let me just say I have to stop because that just is not conceivable to my mind. It's hard to believe where have 41 years have gone. But without a shadow of a doubt, the most common question asked of me, I I wish if I had a dollar for every time this question was asked, I wouldn't be here, I'd be retired. The most common question asked, without a shadow of a doubt, is this. How do I know God's will for my life? How do I know God's will for my life? I'm telling you, 14 years as a youth pastor, that's all I ever got from young people. Pastor Jeff, how do I know what God's will for my life is? As I got older, adults would come in and come in for some counseling and come in to just seek wisdom. The question changed a little bit. What do you think God wants me to do? And I can't tell you how many times in one way or another people have asked that question of me. Pastor, what what do you think God wants me to do? Our sign out front says, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for every one of you. But what is it that God wants me to do? We're going to focus in on the what and the do of that question. The what and the do. It's funny, Friday when we were out for dinner, Heather and I, she always asks, so what are you, what are you preaching on? And I go, do you really want to know? She goes, Yeah. I go, okay, it's going to be who before do, why before what? Who before do, why before what? And she just looked at me. I go, you got to wait for Sunday. (laughs) So that's where we're going to go But in just a minute. But I want to give to you the key thought throughout this series. The key thought throughout this this series is this, and this this is a very profound statement. The decisions that we make today determines the stories we tell tomorrow. How true is that? 
the very decisions we make today, decisions that you will make today, determine the stories you tell tomorrow. And that's so important because our decisions matter so much. Are you aware that you're sitting here today because of decisions you made somewhere down in your life? I always have this thought in my life. At the age of 16, if I hadn't given my life to Jesus Christ, it's scary to think where I might be today. But I'm here this morning because at the age of 16, I made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And the decisions we make today determines the stories we tell tomorrow. My freshman year at Bible college, I remember this guest speaker coming in and he challenged us with this thought. He says, what you are today is what you will be 10 years from now unless you make a decision to change. What you are today is what you will be 10 years from now. The habits, the disciplines that you have right now will carry you into 10 years from now unless you make a decision to change. So I was thinking about decision-making, that the decisions we make today determines the stories we tell tomorrow. Tuesday night, I was home watching the news, and I saw this cool car commercial come on. And it's, it's about a father and his daughter. The daughter's playing, entertaining herself, and dad's on a business call, and this little girl asks him an important question. Yeah, exactly. Dad, how big is the ocean? Let me call you back. That is a really good question. Tell me a joke. Knock, knock. <laughs> you ready? I mean, you know that life is defined by the choices we make. Guy just taking a little time off from work to show his little girl how big the ocean is. The decisions we make today will determine the stories we tell tomorrow. Now, let's, let's be honest. Some of us are, are not good at making choices. Some of us are not good at making decisions. All right, let me give you this question. Have you ever made a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion? Have you ever made a permanent decision based upon a temporary emotion? You know what we call that sometimes? Impulse buying. You see something, you get excited. You'll know, you just know that it will bring you the happiness in your life that you're missing, and you don't really care the cost. You buy it. Two months later, the excitement is gone. It didn't really bring you the happiness, and you're left paying the next five years a payment. 
impulse buying. This morning, I just want to lay a foundation that will allow us to build throughout the next weeks. And really, we're just going to talk about two thoughts this morning. Here they are. What does God want me to do? Do you know what God wants you to do? Here it is. The who before do. The why before what. You ready? Number one, in that question, what does God want me to do? Well, God is more concerned about the who you are than before what you do. When we get down to God's will, God is more concerned about who you are than what you do. Now, I'm going to unveil a mystery for you. Can I, can I unveil a mystery for you this morning? I'm going to unveil this mystery, and I'm going to tell you what God's will for your life is. Are you ready? You want to know what God's will for your life is? Here it is. 1 Thessalonians 4.3. This is what I used to tell young people all the time. It's God's will that you should be holy. Sometimes we make God's will so complex in trying to figure out what God's will for my life is. Well, Scripture tells us plain and simple. It's God's will for you to be holy. Now, what does that mean? Holy is the word, Greek word hagios. It means to be separated. It means to be different. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you're... You're no longer driven by the values of this world. The values that drive this world are not the same values that you have now as a follower of Jesus. And all of a sudden, you do not live for the, what the temporary world deems as important. What, is, what the temporary world deems as important, it's, it's no longer important for you. Because as you Give your life to Christ. And his will is for you to be holy. You know what that boils down to? God's will is for you to be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So before we get all confused about what God you want me to do, God wants you to concentrate on who you are. He wants you to be more like him. Well, how do you know that, Pastor Jeff? Romans 8.28. It's, it's such a popular scripture verse. God works all things together for, for good. To those who love the Lord and to those who are called according to his purpose. Do you know what the problem in that verse is? The problem in that verse is good. Because our definition of good and God's definition of good are two different things. Our definition of good is comfort over character. We're not so much concerned about character. We just want comfort. And anything that brings us comfort is good. God's definition of good is character over comfort. 
And anything that comes in our life, we may not see it as good, but if it's conforming our life more like his son, Jesus Christ, God says it's good. Because God values character over comfort. So the verse goes on. We all know Romans 8.28. But Romans 8.29, here's what God considers good. For those who God foreknew, he predestined. And listen, here's a little theological thing for you. You can't talk about predestination without the foreknowledge of God. For those who God foreknew, God in his foreknowledge knew that you would receive his Savior, his Son, as your Savior. And as a result of receiving Jesus Christ into your life, God has predestined you. It's his will to what? To conform you into the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. For those who God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. It's God's will for you to be holy, for you to be conformed into the likeness and to the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. Later on, Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, sisters... In view of God's mercy. Now, what is God's mercy? God's mercy is he withholds from us what we deserve. And as a result of God withholding from us what we really deserve, he says you're to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. The values of this world, what the, value, what the world deems as important, is no, what we, is no longer what we think as important or, or valuable. I like J.B. Phillips. J.B. Phillips says it this way. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Do you know, the world is constantly trying to squeeze you into its beliefs, into its values, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed. The Greek word there is metamorphumai. Metamorphumai is where we get the word metamorphosis from. The changing of a tadpole into a, a, a tadpole, tadpole into a frog, a caterpillar into a butterfly. It's a transformation. We're to be transformed. How? By the reading of God's word, by the renewing of our mind. Then, then, after you know who you are, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God cares more about who than do. Who you are. And what I have realized in life is that... When you know who you are as a child of God and you're pleasing him, the do just comes automatically. So instead of asking, God, what do you want me to do? What is your will? Ask, who does God want me to become? And as you realize that it's his will to fashion you more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, step by step, 
God will just continue to reveal the do after you know of the who. But what do we do? We always put the cart before the horse, don't we? We always want to know the do before the who. And God says, I want the who before the do. Sounds like Dr. Seuss, doesn't it? God called me to be a pastor. He called some to be prophets, some to be apostles or missionaries, some to be evangelists, some to be teachers, and some to be pastors. God called me to be a pastor. But first and foremost, he called me to be holy. You got it? First and foremost, he called me to be holy. He called me to have my life transformed into his image. Pastoring is something I do. Who am I? I'm a child of God, first and foremost. First and foremost, I'm a child of God who's being transformed or should be being transformed into the image of Christ. Secondly, I fulfill out that call of pastoring. Now, hear me out on this. As a pastor, I go about my responsibilities, preaching, teaching, counseling, visiting shut-ins, hospital visits, you know, just doing what a pastor, managing staff, administrative work. I, I go about doing what a pastor does. Now, at the same time as I go about doing, doing all those responsibilities, if I am, if, if, hear me out, if I am mentally abusing my wife at home and I'm irresponsible with my finances by not paying the bills and using, uh, just wasting it, as I'm going about doing my pastoral responsibilities, if I'm not being, am I in God's will? Come on, somebody. No. How can I be in God's will if I'm not portraying the image of Jesus Christ at home with my wife? Do you know what I'm saying? Therefore, in divine direction, God always says, it's the who before the do. And as you get the who, the do will automatically follow. Secondly, it's God's will. God's will is why before what? Why before what? Why before what? Some of you are shaking your head. No, Jeremy, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Why before what? We always want to know what. But God wants to know why. Because motives are important to the Lord. Well, how do you know motives are important to the Lord? All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Motives are weighed by the Lord. 
We always want to know, God, what is it that you want me to do? God says, before you do, I want to know the motive behind what it is you want to do. All a man's ways seems innocent to him. In other words, it's unbelievable how easy we can deceive ourselves. Do you know how easy it is? It's, it's, it's inbreded in our old human nature. It's not going to hurt if you take a bite. Adam, here. We so easily deceive ourselves. We have this canning ability to rationalize anything. And, and you know, I've actually had Christians come into my office to rationalize sin that they have done. I wasn't happy. I was lonely. It wasn't going to hurt anybody. And it was just going to be one time. So therefore, tell me, Pastor, how could it be wrong? It's wrong because God's word says it's wrong. But we have this ability to rationalize. even, And then if we get caught, well, it's never our fault. It's, well, someone else made me do it. Or it's because of my childhood or the DNA or how I was brought up. And then we always bring in our nationality into it somehow, you know. And we'll rationalize why we did what we did, even though it was wrong. And we have this uncanny ability to rationalize. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And if you don't think motives are important, the Lord judges our motives. Motives are weighed by the Lord. He goes beyond the external and he gets into the internal. There's, there's a saying, there's two reasons. Do you know there's two reasons why we do things? There's a reason we tell everybody and then there's the real reason. There's the reason we tell everybody but then there's the real reason. And God knows the real reason. He, motives matter to God. And before you ask God what it is that you want me to do, examine the motive as to why you want to do it. There's a scripture verse that the psalmist has, Psalms 139, that Telling you, it's not an easy psalm. You know why it's not, an, it's, it's not an easy psalm? Because we put beautiful music to it and we sing, Search me, oh God. You know, and it's this. But when you take away the music and you're down on your knees before the Lord and you say, Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Search me, O God, and know my motive. Test my motive and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. I, as I was meditating on this verse one time, I, I realized there's something very important in this, and this is on a little side note. Know my anxious thoughts. That's the present. See if there's any offensive way in me. That's the past. 
things that you have done, offensive ways. Lead me in ways everlasting. That's the future. God is interested in your present, your past, and your future. That's what that verse says to me. Search me, O God, and know the motive. Now, as I have prayed this prayer, it's scary because my motives are not always pure. And it takes time to be honest before the Lord. As I'm honest before the Lord, it's um, it's horrifying sometimes how my motives are so self-centered and not God-centered or other-centered. And before the what, we need to answer the question, why? What is the motive? Is it pure? Is it Christ-centered? And here's why we need to do it, because the problem is this. It's almost impossible to get to the right place and to make the right decisions with the wrong motive. It's almost impossible to end up in the right destination when you straw it off with the wrong motive. That's why the why is so important to to God before the what. Examine your motives. Why do you need that make? Why do you need that model? Why do you need that brand? Why do you need that promotion? Here's a good one. Why do you post that picture on social media? Is it to make others think better than what you think of yourself? Is it you're posting this picture to keep up with what everybody else is posting? Are you posting that picture because you don't want to think that other people didn't think you went on, you didn't go on vacation? What's the real motive? What's the motive behind what we post? What's the motive behind what we do? What is the motive? Paul puts it this way. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed or whatever you post, do it all in the name of Jesus. Lord, I want you to know that even I don't like this picture of me, and it's not very flattering, but it's very flattering of my wife. I'm going to post it anyway in the name of Jesus. When was the last time you posted a picture that wasn't flattering of yourself? And maybe it wasn't too flattering of your spouse, but because you liked it so much, well, I got to post it. I'm messing with you. So whatever you eat, drink, whatever you do, whatever you post, do it all for the glory of God. Every time we make a social media post, we should be saying, this is for your glory. Boom. So, it's the who before do and the why before what. And when you get those right, God will lead you step by step. God is calling you. He has a plan. 
He has a will. But he wants you to focus on the who before the do and the motive before what. Pastor Bonnie, you can, you can come. All this week, I trust that sticks with you. You know, it'll be who before do, why before what? Who before do, why before what? So I asked this morning as we come into a close and we're going to partake of communion in just a moment. Let me ask a question. How many of you have a decision you have to make? Come on. I mean, how many of you have a decision that you got to make? It's, thank you, man. Yeah, you, yeah, you got, you got a decision coming up. It's a big decision. It's an important decision. And yeah, man, just hey, yeah, I have a decision coming up that I have to make. And with the decision coming up that you have to make, how many would be willing to lift their hand and say, "Before I focus on." the do and the what. Lord, I give you permission to search my heart and know the who and the why. Before I focus on the do and the what, God, I want you, I give you permission to focus on the who and the why.